All right. Welcome back to another episode of Real Talk, Michigan Edition. Jeff here. Dan, how was Rift Fest? Uh, fantastic. Thank you for asking. Saw yeah. a uh, little small town Detroit band, uh, as you would call it, uh, kick off or complete a night that, you know, was absolutely phenomenal. So from one o'clock in the afternoon till damn near midnight, man, it was, it was great. We uh, got to hang out with some friends. We tailgate in the parking lot for a little bit. And then when we saw, when we knew one of our bands that we wanted to see was in the, the, the festival stage, which was outside, start earlier than we expected. We hurry up, dropped our stuff, ran inside. Everyone else that we were with finished playing, you know, beer pong for a few more hours. But uh, I prevailed, kept the night off. And I think by the time we got home, it was like 1.30. And uh, that was the most people I've ever seen at Pine Knob. Um, it was like 14,000 people, man. It was uh, jam-packed, and it was, it, was, it was badass. Cool, dude. You know, uh, there's several people that I know that listen to this this specific podcast and tell me they're not even big Michigan fans, but they like to know our opinion on Michigan. We talk a little Ohio State and other college football. But the amount of people that brought up the I Prevail discussion <laughs> we had at the end of the pod to me, <laughs> they're like, you never heard of I Prevail? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's it's always fun in games when that comes up. But uh, So, yeah, obviously you were busy Saturday. I'm guessing you at least caught the highlights, watched some old uh, – some, uh, was some sort of rerun on the game. What did you think from what you saw, Michigan Rutgers, 31-7? Um, kind of a repeat of what we've seen through the non-conference so far. Out, I mean, J.J. McCarthy took care of the ball this game, so there wasn't like uh, it wasn't like BG come again. But, you know, used his legs a little bit more. He, he had 51 yards on the ground, would have had more if he didn't have those sacks as a college football that goes, that goes negative against your rushing yardage. Um, Blake Corn looked okay, 21 for 97, two tutties, the road to 55. You know, Edwards didn't look great on the ground still, but through the air, I mean, as a pass pass catcher, looking looking explosive as ever. Coastal Loveland got involved. Mikey Sanders still had a great pick six, was basically the only one still playing to the whistle on the field. Everyone else was just kind of standing around. He took it to the house. And then um, special teams is kind of uh, – so something to keep an eye on. James Turner went 50%, one of two, missed a 42-yarder, makes a 46-yarder. So uh, it'll be uh, it'll be on watch when or if a game comes down to a, a field goal to either tie or to win it. So uh, we'll see. Yeah. So you you touched on Blake and his uh, his countdown to 55 if he gets there. Currently at eight on the season. We're four games in. He's averaging two a game. Great start, right? Uh, that puts him at 39 for his career, which is really remarkable. You know, for uh, for Blake, obviously, that's an elite class when you start getting into the 40s. You got uh, Denard Robinson ahead of you, Mike Hart ahead of you. We're, we're talking some elite running backs. So uh, kind of cool stuff. He's definitely going to catch those guys. For sure, uh, at this point, it's really the discussion is whether or not he's going to catch the A train. And then I think second place is is it Chris Perry? I, I don't know. Him. I don't I know. Off the list, but um, regardless, yeah, I thought Michigan looked exactly like they've looked in all their games this year. They've scored in the 30s, and they keep their opponents to single digits, allowing one makeshift touchdown somewhere along the way. 
And it's to some that's dominant, to some it's not. I understand both sides of it. Um, I did hear some things that people probably need to like take into consideration. It never even really hit me. The new clock rule this year has kind of changed the way that the the flow of the game is going, and there's potentially lost time to score more touchdowns. You know what I mean? So credit to those teams that do potentially score, you know, 81 like the Ducks did in week one or whatever it may be. So Michigan has been very much a ground and pound team for the last several years. This year they're throwing it more than they have. And while they only threw it 21 times, it felt like they were more of a passing team this game and through the last several games, even though it's 50-50, because we're seeing so much more passing than we've seen in years past. I'm like, man, we just feel like a passing team at this point. Are you kind of, I know obviously, obviously didn't watch this game. Are you kind of getting those same vibes or is it, do you feel like we're just balanced? Um, I'll have to look back at previous records, but I mean, this game, 21 passing, 40 rush. So it does feel like that we're throwing the ball more. And we actually, I mean, we kind of are. But um, to be fair, a lot of those rushes obviously come late in the game when you have a lead. But yeah. it, it does seem like to get the lead now, we're almost kind of being more of a pass. I don't know. It's just it's the way that I currently feel. You know, I put it in our group chat the other day. I just think that it just feels like we're more we've almost become a passing team. Like we're we're getting the rushing is coming as an afterthought. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because we're really good at it, obviously. That I, I, a lot of factors play into it too, and I think a lot of it is on first and second down. We're more we're more um, unpredictable rather than oh first and second down they're going to run the ball. So I just think it uh, it just comes the formula looks a little different now, and so again I'm okay with it. But but no, I, I see what you're saying, and uh, we'll see what happens when they got to go on the road in a hostile environment this Saturday, and we'll see what the game script is there. Um. Yeah, I mean, not not a whole lot more to add on this game. There was a nice pick six from Mikey Sanders still, so the defense kind of chips into Jim Harbaugh's back. It, it really set the tone, but, you know, this just isn't a team that's dropping 50 right now. So um, if that is your definition of a good and bad win, then it is what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, something I liked, I'll uh, I'll start us off here. One of my biggest key X factor contributors, whatever you want to say, one of my biggest inputs from this preseason was like how much Colson Loveland's going to impact this offense. And this is probably his best game so far, easily this year, but potentially ever that, you know, when he doesn't score, but he had five for 75. He caught a big third down from JJ might even been two third downs that he caught. Um, Just, seems to be when they're really throwing it to him and scheming him up, he's almost unguardable. Yeah. Uh, second thing I liked, Blake's two touchdowns. They're just an absolute machine out there. He seems like he scores every single time, his pursuit to 55. And then through four games, 5.8 points per game allowed. I don't care who you play. That's that's pretty good. So, yeah. What'd you have for your liked? Uh, so my like my, is really the uh, already touched on it was the the Mikey Sanders still pick six JJ using his legs, um, 
No turnovers, controlled the the TOP. Samaj Morgan, the freshman, gets his first career touchdown. And then uh, Jesse Minner planned up a a good um, game formula. I mean, they gave up the the one long touchdown pass. And so it was, it was essentially, it was kind of like the TCU game last year. Missed tackle. It happens every once in a while. Once that happened, they shut them down. They took away their run game. They had 77 yards. And uh, Kyle Monagai was essentially their best player on, on offense. And he was under three yards per carry. So they gave, they, they took that away and they made uh, Wimsat throw it. Had around 50% completion percentage. And so you take that 69-yarder away, he's hovering just barely above 100 yards passing. So um, did a good job there. Yeah. Uh, do you want to start us with disliked? Yeah, disliked. I mean, I guess you can you can, you can uh, call back to that the, the long touchdown. Um, you know, kind of wanted I me. Mean, this is me being. Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Nitpicky. Uh, greedy is you oh. know I, last week Wimsett only threw for 46 yards and they won and this week he threw for a buck 80 so I wanted to see I wanted to uh, kind of top that or, or come close to that it is what it is not a big deal and just special teams um, you know they have to uh, um, to iron this out and be more consistent again we we used to seeing Moody sink everything possible and uh, so maybe overreacting whatever but I'm just still in the back of my mind here that if we come down to uh, a crucial field goal here, you know, I'm going to feel less confident than years past. Yeah. Before I give my, my dislike shout out, Jake Moody, uh, yeah. starting his NFL career nine for nine, both yeah. in extra points and field goals, including, I believe a 57 yarder as his career high already through, through three games. Um, his first preseason game this year, he went 0 for 2, and people were killing him. And he has been an absolute juggernaut. So, shout out, Jake Moody. Uh, and shout out, Ronnie Bell. Got his first career touchdown this week on Thursday night. Shout out, Ronnie Bell, out too. But uh, for me, it was uh, two things. The broken play, like you alluded to, you know, against bad teams like Rutgers, it typically doesn't hurt you as bad against good teams. You know, it could be deciding factor. Uh, and then for me as well, the pressure, uh, zero sacks. I don't know. I just felt like you could at least get one here. Um, I think a lot of this has to do with game plan. Because it, it, for me, there's no way one game you get five sacks, one game you get zero. It must just be whether or not they're trying to really get after it and rush just four or if they're trying to blitz, you know. Mm. Um, because, unfortunately, you know, Rutgers just wasn't able to really – they just weren't allowing their quarterback to get pressured for whatever reason, whether they're getting the ball out too quick or um, – for me, more of, we kind of just had it in a different spot. Shamaz Morgan, wide receiver, uh, getting involved there as kind of like a wide receiver three, scoring a touchdown. That's always nice. And I know you didn't watch the game. If you've seen highlights, you've probably seen some of these. Uh, the trick plays. Uh, I thought they were well thought out, well schemed up. There was a fake reverse flea flicker in there. Um, that was my- they threw in there. That was a really nice play. There's another one that's escaping me that happened either before the reverse flea flicker or after. I, I don't quite remember what it was, but there was another um, there was another trick play. And then I think they ran even one more 
somewhere in the game that was really nice and they're both escaping me so my apologies but just the creativity of the play calling and obviously it helps we kind of talked about this when Harbaugh's back on the sideline he's doing his gig it allows everybody else the coordinators to do their gig more you know dialed in and you obviously seen that this week with Sharon Moore so what do you got for more of I mean each episode we've done this year, whatever, I've probably repeated myself a couple times here on the more of. So until we really get into the Big Ten schedule, it's probably going to stay the same. And so I'll, I'll bounce, I'll kind of piggyback off the the trick plays, whatever. That 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 reverse fleet flicker was a nice play. So the little wrinkles and gadget plays there, whatever, help. I mean, we did a, a handful of times versus Ohio State last season. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, outside of that, really, you know. Just want to keep doing what we do, but just with a little more flair. And you hope that I'm just waiting for the game where we, you know, there's a little more exclamation point on the on the game here. Cool, yeah, you beat Rutgers 317, but just feels like uh, we're at like 95% of of satisfi- uh, uh, being satisfied. And I just want to get to that 100, and uh, we'll see if they can do it against Nebraska. Yeah, that I think that's actually a really good uh, explanation. So far, we've seen a lot of eighty-five to ninety percent football. That's yeah. that's fair. I think that's really fair. Um, that's all I have on Rutgers. Anything else before we kind of move on? We'll touch on uh, we'll touch on good old Nebraska here in a little bit. But anything else on Rutgers? Good on Rutgers. Okay. Um, let's talk about some big games this weekend. Uh, the two that stand out, the, actually, there's probably three that stand out the most. Let's start with Oregon, Colorado. We've been talking a little bit of Colorado every every pot, uh, A, because of the ratings they're drawing. So, you know, we'd be stupid and foolish not to talk about them. But yeah. B, because they're, they're interesting, if anything else. I mean, you, I think everybody that watches college football has kind of taken a stand. You either root for Colorado or you root against them. <laughs> there's no... Right. Nobody's really an innocent bystander at this point. So Colorado, week one, they go into TCU and as a 21-point dog, and they upset them in a super high-scoring game, no defense whatsoever. Week two, they're home against Nebraska. That game's super tight in the first quarter, a little close in the second, and they blow it open in the second half. Week three... They're home against Colorado State, which is a a state rival, but not really a good football team. They struggle. They win in double overtime coming from behind. We both said this last week. Oregon's winning. The question's how much. It was a lot. At one point, I believe it was – I don't think it got to 42-0. Maybe it did, and then they finally punched one in. I think it did get 42-0. The final score, I think, was 42-7. 42-6. Yeah. Where does where does Colorado go from here? What did you think? Go ahead and just kind of take it. Well, Colorado just keeps on pushing, man. They're in their first year under Deion Sanders. It's not like this team was going to be going for the college football playoff. And if you thought that going into this year or even after the first two games, you're you're lying to yourself. And, you know, Oregon is, you know, probably just outside that top five as a team, you know, uh, so it was what we've seen so far and the, you know the the talent disparity was obviously pretty glaring you know they put up 522 yards of total offense 
And we knew Colorado's run game is still a work in progress. They don't have Travis Hunter. I mean, they're already behind the eight ball as it is. And, and Sugar Sanders is a talented kid, but he can't do everything by himself. And when you have one or two good players and you're playing against a team that's got 11 of them on the field at the same time, I mean, you're going to be you're going to be in a mismatch. And so, again, Colorado, they, they got a few more tough games to go here. I don't know. I think I don't know if they got USC this weekend or if that's in a couple they, of weeks. No, they, they host them this weekend. So they, they got another huge test. And USC, I mean, this this game potentially this weekend is going to be more high scoring than the Oregon one. Because USC's defense, I think, is a lot worse than Ducks. But the, Caleb Williams is not is no joke. So they they are gonna probably lose that game too. And I mean, they can't get down on themselves. That they are literally starting from scratch right now, and uh, they're they're facing off uh, against some the cream of the crop. Yeah. So here and here's the thing. So I've been one that's kind of been rooting for Colorado because it is interesting. Um, realistically, their ceiling is probably six or seven wins. And maybe eight, maybe eight. But it was never going to be 10, 11, or 12 wins. And this Oregon game, as Joe Klatt said, it was either Joe Klatt or, or Colin or somebody said it, Oregon's been recruiting in the top 10 for 10 years. Colorado's dipped in the portal for 10 minutes, you know? It, this was never going to be a fair fight. So, if you're a Colorado fan right now, I think you have to feel pretty good just about what you've seen so far, the way the team is moving in this direction. Ultimately, you're kind of hoping almost everybody comes back and you add more talent for a 12-team playoff next year and maybe get your name in the 11-12 seed. You know, that kind of needs to be your goal at this moment because USC loses Caleb – Williams, you would imagine after this season, um, which kind of opens the door to Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12, that maybe you could get that automatic bid as uh, as the Big 12 team. So Colorado, I think they're in for a world of hurt again about with USC. We'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, I think Colorado, Oregon was worse than I thought, but it wasn't a shock, if that makes any sense. Right. And, and real quick. So, yeah, they got to go. They, they're at least home for USC. Um, then they go on the road at Arizona State. Could be a tough game at home for Stanford. Then they go on the road at UCLA. Dante Moore, that could potentially be fireworks on offense. Then they host number 19, Oregon State, as of this moment, host Arizona. And then they finish the year on the road for the last two weeks at Washington State. Not a not an easy one there. And then at uh, Utah, so I mean, you're you're looking at maybe two or three more wins at most. Yeah, I say I, I hear at least I hear at least four losses here: Oregon, UCLA, uh, USC, and Utah. Are, in my opinion, those are almost that's that's a very tough uphill battle for them. The rest of those are going to be dog fights. They probably lose at least one of those, I'd imagine. So yeah. Um. Let's talk a little Big Ten battle here before we talk to the, pretty much the game of the weekend. So our good friend Cade McAmara and Iowa head to State College. Last time Cade McAmara played at Penn State with his good buddy Eric All, he threw a walk, not a walk-off, but a game-winning touchdown pass. Um, this game, 
Eric All caught 35, uh, three passes for 35 yards. Here's the kicker. The 35 yards was almost all the passing yards that Cade threw. He was 5 of 14 for 42 yards. I repeat, 42 total passing yards. This, this is, almost doesn't even seem real. They fumbled the ball six times. They lost four of them, including one from Cade and one from Eric Call. Um, I'm not even taking digs here. They had a total of 76 yards on all. Yeah, it was it was bad. This game was ugly. I again, I was at the Riff Fest, so I didn't I didn't obviously watch it, but I was keeping it on my eye on the on my phone. And when I saw that it was, um, I believe, 24 nothing in the third quarter, I was like, oh boy, oh boy. And yeah, the came back from there, five of 14, 42 yards. He's averaging three yards of an attempt um, or a completion, 32 QBR. And, yeah, very glaring as a six fumbles, man. You lose four of them. You can't do that in the whiteout. You can't Not do that. Not a chance. He gets sacked three times. I, I can only imagine how many times he was hurried. Um, and, you know, Eric Gall has, has been a liability. Ken McNamara has been a liability, man. This is uh, – this is not how Iowa fans were expecting it. You know, Brent Ferentz, you know, he needs to average 25 points per game and seven wins to keep his job. Well, they need four more games to get to seven, which possibly could be doable. But, I mean, they're only averaging 21 points a game right now, so they have to step it up here. I don't know what to say. I mean, they, they are just barely better than last year, if not the same. And, you know, you look through K. McNamara's – uh, four games as an Iowa Hawkeye. Utah State, 17 of 30 for 191, two touchdowns. Okay, that came late. That wasn't easy in the beginning of that game. Versus Iowa State, 12 of 22 for 123 and a pick. Gross. Versus Western Michigan, 9 for 19, two touchdowns, two picks. Gross. And then you had this output. So he's not even remotely above 56%. At, uh Man, I wanted to root for Iowa. I, I picked them to go to the uh, to Indianapolis to face Michigan. Um, and if they keep playing like this, they ain't getting there. So, obviously, we talk Iowa because, you know, they got Cade and they got Eric Hall. But let's talk a little Penn State here. They looked dominant. Um, 110,000 people wearing all white. Place gets rowdy, but, I mean, Drew Aller, four touchdowns. They ran it for 200 on the ground. Uh, pretty dominant performance. Where are you at on Penn State now versus maybe before the season? The, um, I mean, they could be for real, but I, I think we we won't really know until they face uh, Ohio State on the road uh, because between – Right now, Michigan and Penn State playing, they go Northwestern, Massachusetts, Ohio State, Indiana, Maryland. So, really, um, not the not the toughest uh, part of their schedule right there. I mean, Maryland is not going to be an easy out, but we'll find out how good they are when they go to Columbus. And uh, if they lose close to that, the, the Michigan game is going to be a tough battle, and Penn State is um, is going to make an easy uh, task. But as of right now, I still have them as, you know, maybe number three um, 
behind uh, Michigan and Ohio State. I mean, I, I say maybe a, a two-way, two-B, because Ohio State, I know they beat Notre Dame on the road, but they they haven't looked uh, the, the greatest either. So, yeah. All right, let's talk about the nightcap. Uh, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Uh, unfortunately, I had a parlay fall short on this game. Cost me uh, about $900 in profit, which really sucks. But um, Notre Dame has the ball four minutes to go. They're up 14 to 10. I'm not sure if you've seen any of this and how this transpired. But rather than trying to run the football, which they had done very well all night, they throw it with little to no success, incompletions and blown up screens, and they take no time off. And they basically end up giving Ohio State the ball with a timeout and just under two minutes to go. Ohio State gets down the field. They end up needing to use the timeout, punching it at the goal line. But even worse, the last two plays, Notre Dame has 10 guys on the field. Just an all-out coaching error to end this game. Notre Dame had Ohio State on the ropes. Um, opinions on this one? Um, not much really regarding the game. Just both, uh, just coaching mistakes on both sides. The fourth, the fourth and one, whatever, or the third, whatever, the one yard to go, and and Ryan Day dials up a reverse. I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. So uh, I, Ohio State sold this one one hundred percent. Notre Dame kind of. Uh, Open the back door for the robbery to happen, and and that's what that's what uh, took place. You know, my common court statistically didn't have a bad game, um, but Ryan Day is uh, solidifying himself as a bona fide jack off, and I thought him being so uppity and pissed off about what a, a, an aging old man had to say uh, pregame, I thought that was absolutely hilarious. So. Um, if Ohio State is going to bring this shit into Ann Arbor, I'm all for it because Michigan's going to going to rock them solid. And you know, maybe that's me being arrogant and being too overconfident, but um, Michigan can take both of these teams. Um, but it is what it is. Dan, you're uh, you're a college football enthusiast. Can you tell the audience who Lou Holtz is and kind of what his relevance is to Notre Dame and in his um what he is as far as college football goes well i mean he used to be the coach right yeah and, he used to be the head football coach yep. and and the last time notre dame won a national championship he was in, at the helm and uh ever since he has been an analyst or we want to call it that he's he's old for like 25 in his predictions because he's picked notre dame to win the national championship every single year was saying that Jimmy Clausen was going to win the Heisman every year. Brady Quinn was going to win the Heisman every year. So he's he says a lot of things that are just really homer and 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 over the top, just kind of like Desmond Howard. So it's like when he says something, it's like, man, eh, whatever. But he is the Joe Paterno of Notre Dame football without the off-the-field issues. And so um, I didn't even know, you know, I'm not trying to be – an a-hole here. I didn't know he was still alive. I mean, when he was in the the big chair, he was in talking about Ohio State. He was like slouched in there like Stephen Hawking. I couldn't even, you know, so <laughs> I didn't know if he was still around talking, but um, I thought it was hilarious that Ryan Day had to feel the need to um, just sound like a corny dork uh, in this postgame. Yeah, I just 
I, like, of all the people to respond to, Lou Holtz, like, a college football Hall of Famer yeah. that has become, well, I'm not saying he's a laughing stock because that's disrespectful, but, like, everybody knows he picks Notre Dame no matter what. Like, it's just yeah. a given. It's Desmond with Michigan. It's the exact same concept. It's Will Compton, if you listen to Bust with the Boys for Nebraska. It's Nebraska versus the world. Like, that's – it's laughable, you know? Like, you can't have an honest take because you're so incredibly biased. That is literally Lou Holtz, and he's 80 years old, you know? And yet, Ryan Day is having a a Brian Kelly-esque meltdown in Notre Dame. Shout out, Brian Kelly. <laughs> just like – Literally, I'm watching this live, and I'm like, what? <laughs> just like, what is, like, what just happened? And then, obviously, he walks off the field, and he's asked about it immediately, and he kind of doubles down. Mm. And the, the thing that I found just, like, so comical is he said he had one bad half two years ago in Ann Arbor. And I'm thinking to myself, that's weird. Donovan Edwards house called you twice in the fourth quarter last year. That's another bad one. And Georgia outscored eighteen to three in the playoff game. That's another bad one. But yeah. who am I to count? But I, you know, as far as the, as far as Ryan Day, Ohio State, um, do you feel more or less confident? I know I asked you this in your mailbag um, for your own personal pot. Do you feel more, less, or equally confident about Michigan, Ohio State, right now? Truth be told, I'm, I'm about as I'm about as equal. I mean, rivalry games are different, and you know, I, I got to see Michigan. I, my confidence will will elevate once I see Michigan uh, versus Penn State when we get closer, you know, to the, the end of November. But as of right now, if if, if Ohio State Michigan played in, on a on a on Ann Arbor's turf in the in the big house, I'd be pretty confident um, that Michigan could. Not maybe replicate the last two years and how they do it, but uh, win no matter what. Uh, anything else from this past college football weekend? Um, not really outside of uh, Minnesota loses a gross game in overtime to Northwestern. And then – yeah. Michigan State drops a two and two. They played three quarterbacks. They had three turnovers. They don't know who's going to be under center. Mel Tucker gets fired this week officially. Um, is that I, a thing? That's a that's officially happening. Uh, I, is uh, I want to say it was either today or what is like midweek this week is when he's actually contract you know contractually fired. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean that's yeah. Um, well, let's, uh, let's talk a little Michigan, Nebraska, shall we? So we got, uh, the bus and bowl. I still don't know if that's technically official yet. I know they've tried, tried their darndest. Um, those of you who don't listen to bus with the boys, Will Compton went to Nebraska, Taylor Wong went to Michigan. They've been trying to get this as a, like an actual game. They have a super dope trophy. We talked about it last year on the podcast for this game too. But uh, here we are. So Nebraska so far this year, week one, they lost at Minnesota 10 to 13. Week two, they lost at Colorado 14 to 36. 
Week three, they beat Northern Illinois 35-11. No one to really speak about. Week four, they beat LA Tech 28-14. The only thing that this team really presents, in my opinion, they had the number six rushing attack in the country at 234 yards a game. So they love to run the ball. Their quarterback is massively turnover prone. Uh, for those of you who don't know, if they do happen to bring in their, their backup, Chubba Purdy, Purdy being Brock Purdy's little brother, uh, there's just there's not a lot here. Nebraska, before the season, we talked. If it was 4-0, they could present an environment. It, that's not what this is. Mm-hmm. Opinions on Nebraska. Well, they're coming off two in a row, obviously, dropping the first two, as you mentioned. They are boasting in the conference. They're boasting the number one rushing offense and defense. They're, like you said, 234 on offense. They're only allowing 43 on defense. Uh, the first two games, Jeff Sims started. He was 20 of 34, 220, one touchdown, four interceptions, 156 rushing yards. The last two games, they've actually had Heinrich Harburg start. And I know Purdy has gotten some playing time, but Harburg has been the starter. He's 24, 47, 278, four tutties, no picks, 272 rushing yards. So somehow this quarterback, Heinrich Harburg, has got way, like way more rushing yards than Jeff Sims did. Um, and he's throwing the ball um, about a little bit more over 10 times. So um, we'll see how they do. I, I think this is going to be kind of the same game plan versus Rutgers. You take away their run game, which is a strength, and you force their quarterback to beat you. Um, you know, I've, I, I noted in my preview all that stuff with, with uh, these guys that if they were 3-1 or 4-0, they've done a lot, a lot of optimism in the program, and this Michigan matchup was probably going to be one that was going to be highlighted on their whiteboard and kind of like the 2021 game, like you just felt like this game could be a sneaky one. But being 2-2, two and two, you know, I'm sure there's still going to be the fans are going to get up for Michigan being in their in their home. But uh, I think that this could be a 34-14, or excuse me, 34-13 Wolverines. But um, I think that you just make sure that they got to beat you through the year. Yeah, I just think Michigan will take care of business here. Um, I mean, I see no reason why Nebraska wouldn't continue to turn the ball over Michigan with their stingy guys. You'd hope that Rod Moore is continually healthy. Um, Makari Page keeps playing in a big stop. Uh, Will Johnson can be out there healthy. Um, as long as these guys continue to move in the right direction, the secondary steps up, they're going to take the ball away. The rushing attack is going to still be there. I, I like Michigan to win this pretty comfortably. Do you, did you say what the spread is? Do you happen to see it? Minus eight. 17. 18. Okay, you're okay. Mine says eight. Mine says 17. That's off ESPN. But regardless, that's yeah, a lot. It'll fluctuate. It'll fluctuate. Yeah, yeah. that's a lot. Um, man, I think it's totally on the table that Michigan – has a 31-13 game, uh, 31-10, you know, maybe even another somewhere in the 30s to single digits again. I think 17 is coverable. I wouldn't – I haven't bet a single Michigan game this year. I, I've been trying to stay away from it, um, trying not to bet on my own teams. But, uh, yeah, interesting for them. I think, I think it's definitely coverable. But – Look for uh, look for Michigan to kind of get back to 
the bully ball mentality, take advantage of a nice hostile environment, 3.30 start time on Fox. So anything else, Michigan-Nebraska, before we talk maybe some games this weekend? No, sir. All right, let's, uh, let's give a rundown, and then we'll get out of here. Friday night, number 10 Utah travels to Oregon State, number 19 in the country. Oregon State's favorite in this game. We like Utah on the road at Oregon, top 20 matchup. Well, I, uh, I'm going to keep rocking with, with the Utes, man. I'm gonna, I'm, I'll take Utah here. Yeah, even without Cam Rising, this team's played pretty well. Um, I like Utah as well. And and they're and and Utah's playing two different quarterbacks. Like Nate Johnson played last week. Bryson Barnes yeah. played the game. So I guess it's like whoever the hell's playing, they're just gonna beat you. Yeah. Um, the big noon kickoff from Boulder on Fox. It's USC at Colorado. Lines twenty one and a half. I'm going USC, but I think Colorado scores in this one. But I could see USC scoring a lot. Like, I could see USC getting in the 50s and Colorado maybe getting in the 20s or 30s. Yeah, I mean, I, I like kind of like how the Oregon-Colorado game was. The over-under on that was 71. I wasn't even going near that with the 10-foot pole because I felt like that was just too unpredictable. And so, I don't know, is this going to be a game where USC does like how Oregon did it? 40-something to 6. Or is it going to be, like you said, is it going to be like 40-20? Is it going to be 65-3? to I don't know. Yeah. I just know USC is probably going to win. And and the money line is probably going to be like minus 7,000. Yeah. Um, number 24, Kansas. Undefeated so far in the uh, in the, in the in their uh, in their season. They're heading to Texas, number three in the country. Both teams are 4-0. Texas favored by 16.5 here, according to ESPN. I like Texas, but they've played down to their competition. It wouldn't shock me if Kansas gave them a scare. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've, I've said before, I've, I've complimented Kansas' quarterback. Um, Who did I they just, destroy in the Big Ten this year? Illinois? Kansas is, yeah. 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 So, I, I, I feel like it could probably be close at some point, but it's uh, it's at, it's in Austin. So, yeah. Texas. Probably gonna run away with this at the end. Uh, both teams have a loss this year, but it's number thirteen LSU three and one versus number twenty Old Miss. Old Miss hosting the game. LSU's looked pretty solid all year outside of their their uh, second half against Florida State. I think I like them on the road here. Yeah, I mean they they burned me last week. I thought Old Miss could have uh, you know busted the spread. It was minus seven uh, for the Tide. And uh, they fell short on that. They lost by, what, I think 14 or something like that. So Yeah, 24-10. Um, my gut says LSU, but I'm going to be rooting for Ole Miss. Uh, 7.30 on ABC. This one's uh, college game day. Uh, I, I guess college game day hasn't been to Durham in, like, it was a long-ass time. I forget how long it's been. But number 17, Duke, hosting Notre Dame, coming off the loss at Ohio State. Uh, Notre Dame's favored by just under a touchdown. I think I like Duke here. Duke has played pretty well. They beat Clemson on the road this year. Or, I'm sorry, no. Was Duke at home? for? The, yeah, Duke was at home for that game, I think. I don't they, know. Uh, they, beat, they beat Clemson at home, 28-7. Yeah, I think I... 
I think I like Duke here in this spot. I know Notre Dame. I'm not just um, bailing on them. I just think this is a uh, this is a pretty good Duke team. My uh, my guts tell like the the last thing we talked about. My guts tell me Notre Dame, but I'm 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 uh, root for Duke. Yeah. And then hang on here. Last but not least, I think there was another decent one. No, that's pretty much it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, pretty good slate of, ga- um, slate of games this weekend, honestly. Even if it's not necessarily a ranked matchup, there's a lot of uh, compelling matchups. You got Florida at Kentucky, Georgia at Auburn, uh, Alabama at Mississippi, South Carolina, and Spencer Rattler has played pretty well in their losses this year. They they host uh, they go to Tennessee, so there's some solid matchups out there. So um, that's all I got. Anything else from you, sir? Um, the only other game that I might peep in on is Michigan State playing at Kinnick at night. And the only reason I'm watching that is because of who's playing and, and when they're playing. So I'm hoping yeah. that I'm hoping that Ken McNamara may somehow throw for more than 100 yards in this game and win. And, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people like to say they want to want to want to beat their rivals when they're at their best and being at their top. But I would like I said, I, I would. Uh, I would sell, I'd sell, I don't want to say my soul, my soul, but uh, I'd do a lot of unforgettable things if uh, if I see Michigan State in misery for the rest of eternity. So hopefully they lose. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yes, that will be, uh, that will be fun. So uh, good stuff this week, man. Um, we'll be in touch. Anything else? Nope. Brian Day's a clown. Go blue. Ryan Day is very much a clown. Michigan State is an absolute train wreck of a program, and Michigan continues to dominate. Love to see it. Here we are. We're back. Go Blue. We out.